Psalm 46 God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the, into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is with her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thanks be to God. Be still. And know that I am God. Probably, probably the, the most famous words and verses of, of that psalm, if you have been around churches and Christian things for a number of times, um, maybe we're going, that's where those words come from. That's where those verses come from. Uh, be still. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. Uh, because for a lot of us, I guess life is defined by one word. Busy. We live in a world where there is so much competing for our attention. It's probably no wonder uh, we find ourselves drawn to these words. We find ourselves drawn to what seems like an invitation to be still, to rest, to switch off, to take a break, to do less, to find some quiet, to have a moment of calm. And I want to suggest all of those things, they're good things. And we should seek them and have them. But I also want to suggest that they're not enough. I don't know if it's been your experience. We, we, we seek after this sort of stillness and silence and, and headspace. And when we get it, we find it really difficult. Because in the silence, in the calmness, in the quiet, suddenly those things that are bubbling around in our lives and in our heads, those anxieties and worries... Uh, those stresses and sorrows and fears, what do they do? They come to the surface, don't they? And so we distract ourselves. We suddenly put on Netflix or we start scrolling on our phones. We pick up a book, we put on the radio, we distract ourselves. And so actually when we get to uh, verse 10 of Psalm 46, uh, we need to notice that God's speaking here isn't actually an invitation to have a little bit more quiet time in your life. I think we need to hear these words quite differently. We need to hear God saying, be still and know that I am God, like a clap of thunder, even louder than the ones we heard uh, this afternoon. A clap of thunder that demands our attention and demands our response. Just, just look what are the, the verses just before, uh, verses 8 and 9. Do you see, we're, we're in the battleground, aren't we? We're on the battlefield. 
at God's victory and judgment across the earth. Uh, we see uh, he's making wars cease. Uh, we're seeing him break bows, shatter spears, tear up tanks, burning shields with fire. How does God do that? By a thundering command. Be still and know that I am God. Picture picture the school playground. It's lunchtime. The sun's out. And eight and nine-year-olds are hurtling around at top speed. And then the teacher blows the whistle. But he stops. It goes silent. Or, Or picture... Uh, the, the dining room uh, full of soldiers. Their commanding officer walks in. The cry of attention uh, goes out. Suddenly, all the soldiers stand still. Everything's silent. God's voice thunders out, and it has that kind of effect. Be still and know that I am God. This is not a gentle invitation uh, to put your feet up for a bit and have a cup of tea. As good as that might be and as welcoming, as that might be for you. See, this verse is, is a call for us to, to recognize the one speaking and for us to turn away and turn back from our self-reliance. It's a call to turn back from us trying to find our satisfaction in things that God has created rather than the creator himself. It's a, a call for us to stop trying to prove ourselves to others, to ourselves. To God. It's a call for God to be exalted in our lives, for God to be made much of in our lives. Be still and know that I am God. That word God. Admittedly, we're doing a, a series on the on the names of God. It's it's less of a name, it's much more of a title. It's a title, God. The Hebrew Elohim. It could be used to describe other gods, those, those others choose to worship in other religions or in other cultures. But again and again in the Bible, uh, the writers just go shorthand. They just say God, Elohim. For us, it's, it's God with a capital G. Because the writers of the scriptures, the people of God down through history, have always known there's only one true God, one true living God. Every other so-called God is a copy, a parody, a fake. Let's look at the claim that God makes. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the God who one day, everyone, no, no matter where they're from in the world, will acknowledge him as the one true God. If we just step back for a moment, it's worth recognizing just what a colossal claim that is. It's huge. This is a claim that could only be made by the one who created all things to have this kind of authority. It could only be a claim to have complete control over all things. But do you know what? It's a claim that holds up. You see, one day, one day there was a terrifying storm. Not just a storm that clears the air like we're longing for, but a storm that terrified. And in that storm, 
as a boat that's being battered. Every wave sinks it a little lower until it's almost under the waterline. Everybody on that boat's life is at risk. They're beginning to cling on for dear life. Their lives are flashing before them. Until over the sound of the wind and the waves and the thunder comes another voice that shouts out, Quiet! Be still! And just like the teacher's whistle or the soldier's call of attention, everything stopped, everything went silent. And everyone looked around and said, who is this man? See, Elohim, God, took our likeness and he took on another name, a name that is precious to so many of us, the name of Jesus. And with it comes uh, the promise that, that one day at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. and Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be still and know that I am God. And Jesus, we meet that God. That God who will be exalted among the nations and in the earth. But also in Jesus, we we meet the God who, both in verse 7 and verse 11 of Psalm 46, is described as the Lord Almighty who's with us, the God of Jacob who is our fortress. Suddenly we begin to see more than just the title of God. That, that reference of Jacob starts to tell us that this is a personal God. In fact, if you know the story of Jacob from the Old Testament, you'll know that uh, for God to, to claim the name of Jacob is quite remarkable. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty wayward character. We can say this is a personal God who is, who is compassionate. You see, to truly know God, to truly know Elohim, is to know not just his title, but to know his name. To know that he is the Lord God. He's not, he's not just God. He's the Lord God. And for a moment, I just want us to go back to Exodus chapter 6. Um, so if you've got your Bible, it's, um, I think it's page 62. Exodus chapter 6. Uh, and verses 2 and 3, God's having a conversation with Moses. Moses, if you know the story, has um, been out in the wilderness looking after his father-in-law's flock of sheep. Uh, one day he's walking along and he sees a bush burning and it's not consumed. And he has his encounter with God and, and he asks God for his name. And God says, I am who I am. And, and that's the name we're going to be looking at next week. Uh, and, and from that, um, we get uh, the name, the Lord. And we read in Exodus chapter 6, uh, some more of a conversation between Moses and the Lord. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. God has a name. He has a personal name. In Hebrew, it's just four letters. Y-H-W-H. Probably pronounced Yahweh. All the translations of the Bible went for Jehovah. 
in our uh, English Bibles, it's normally printed as Lord with the, um, with the letters in capitals. It's saying this is not just a title, this is a name. God's personal name, Yahweh. God gives to his people his name. It's not just to distinguish him from the other gods who are copies and parodies and fakes. It's more than that. It's because through the story of the Bible, God is personally inviting people into relationship with him. When you meet somebody for the first time, what do you do? You introduce yourself. You share your name, they share their name. I don't, I don't think that's rocket science. But just think of the different settings when you might do that. If I, uh, if I walk into the dentist um, and say to the receptionist who I am, I will probably say, I'm Thomas Vass. I use the name I'm called if I'm naughty. My proper name. Because it's quite a formal setting. That's what I am on the records. Very, very occasionally, I'll pick up the phone. And when the person answers, I'll say, hi, it's Reverend... Tom Vass from St. Luke's Church. It's normally uh, to the family member of somebody whose funeral I'm taking. I've not met them, but I want them to know who I am in a professional setting. But to my friends and family, unless I'm being naughty, I'm not Thomas, I'm not Reverend. I'm Tom. I'm Tom. It's personal. But more than that, as you get to know somebody, not just their name, their character begins to flesh out their name, doesn't it? Um, let me illustrate this. When, when Emily and I were choosing names for our children, um, you know, you sort of come up with a long list. Uh, and there's various sort of twos and fros between each other. And at one point, my wife suggested the name Connor. Great name, solid name. don't know if anyone related to a Connor. However, I can't have could not have Connor. No way. Why? Because of Connor in year three. His character tarnished that name for me. But our characters and our names, they're, they're not separate things. Our names flesh out our character. Our character fleshes out our names. So too with God. Yahweh, the Lord God. And he says to Moses, in the past, my people didn't know me in the way that you will know me. And the people of God will know me in the future as Yahweh. He fleshes his name out by, by showing that he is a God of wholehearted commitment to his people. Who comes and rescues through judgment from slavery in Egypt. Brings them out into freedom with life, for life with him in the promised land. See, the God who declares, be still and know that I am God is the God who invites us to know him personally and says, I am Yahweh. An invitation he extends uh, not just to those who were escaping slavery in Egypt thousands of years ago. An invitation that extends to anybody, no matter who they are, where they live, what they've come from, what background they're from, who they are, how old they are, through Jesus. See, in Jesus, we find the Lord God himself showing his wholehearted commitment, coming to rescue through the cross, through judgment, to bring people away from and out of slavery to sin and into true freedom, life with him, with the 
promise of eternity. And that promise to be with us. In Psalm 46, uh, in those, in verse 7 uh, and verse 11, the promise is of the Lord God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. To know God personally is to know him with you, now and eternally. I don't know if you've had this experience where you, you pick something up that you think will be useful for somebody else, and it turns out it's really useful for you. Um, somebody taught me something for my children at the start of term, going back into school, feeling a bit apprehensive. And they just very simply taught me this. And some of you will know this because I've been banging on about it for about weeks. I love it. Um, you just put your hand up like that. You've got five fingers. A great promise of the Lord God is for I am with you. And that makes you strong. Isn't that great? For I am with you. That's how you're strong in every situation because the Lord God is with you. always true if the Lord is God and you know him. Now, I might not have chosen uh, Connor as one of my children's names, but we did choose Joel. You know what Joel means? The Lord is God. So when I go home tonight, I've got a reminder in front of me that the Lord is God. Yahweh, the Joe, El, Elohim. The Lord is God. I don't know how you uh, this week uh, need to kind of have that in your mind. Perhaps uh, as you remember those most famous words from Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Without messing up too badly, maybe you could say, and know that God says, um, be still and know that I am is God. Yahweh is God, the Lord God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.